Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Well, as we have looked at the different fruit of the Spirit, this is our second one. As we talk about joy, it's been interesting to spend the week meditating on it. Some days, I will admit, it has been a struggle. Some days, like the more you talk, think about joy, the more you realize you don't have it. But God is a God of joy. God wants us to be full of joy by the power of his Holy Spirit. We are going through the training for our new elders and deacons this, uh, this month. And this week, the, the videos that we watched um, b- before we're, we're going to have a discussion, the, the speaker gave a story of a, of a bridegroom, a man who had served in the military, getting married, and his friends came from from overseas to be with him at his wedding. And they rejoiced with him, even though they had never met this woman that he was going to marry. They rejoiced in him because they knew him. They rejoiced in the joy that that, that, that was coming. That kind of joy, sometimes we don't know all that's, that's happening, all that's going to entail, but we can rejoice in God. We can rejoice in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom of we, the bride of Christ, the church. And it is is joy that we don't always have a handle on, but yet comes because it's an anticipation of what is to come. That's where we find our hope. That's where that joy bubbles up and can come out through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we have done with, the, with the, the fruit of love, we are first going to look at what it means that God is joyful. In his being, he is joyful. Then we're going to look at how he shows his joy to us, how that joy comes into our lives from him. We'll look at a little bit of the struggle of joy that every one of us has. Joy is not always easy. And then we're going to look at how to cultivate and make room for joy. As we think about the book of Galatians, where the fruit of the Spirit list is found, the Galatians were struggling with joy. Why were they struggling with joy? Because they were full of legalism and judgmentalism. Legalism, like you're not doing all of these bits of the law. They had lost the sense of grace. Grace is full of joy. Legalism is full of judgment, of criticism, of comparison. I heard a speaker one time say that comparison is a joy killer. Isn't that the truth? You look at somebody else's life on the internet and you think, well, my life is boring compared to that. Well, you're only seeing the good bits of their life. (laughs) But how often we compare, it seems like every one of my friends is like in Europe right now. And I, I, I find myself longing for travel and all of that. But but God is calling us to be joyful in the midst of our circumstances. And God is calling us to exhibit the fruit of joy, which only comes from the Holy Spirit. 
So as, as the joy comes from the Holy Spirit, that means that God is the source of joy. And God is joyful in his being. Every time I think about that phrase, I, I, I think of a word that probably only a few of you understand, but it, it, it's ontological. Like it, it's the, in his being, in the center of his core, God is love and God is joy. We, it's, it's one thing to think about God as love, but we don't often think of God as joyful. But there is evidence everywhere around us that God is joyful. One of my favorite examples of God's joy and laughter and sense of humor is a duck-billed platypus. I mean, who would have come up with that? You know, let's make a, a marsupial with a bill of a, of, a, of a waterfowl and some web teeth, web feet, and we'll throw in eggs just to be weird. <laughs> like. God has this crazy sense of humor. He has this abundant joy. This week we saw amazing pictures from the new satellite aimed at, at deepest, darkest space. And here we see swirls of galaxies and all kinds of different colors. God did not have to do that. But don't you know God took great joy in spinning these galaxies off and, and, and knowing, like, get, you know, I can't wait until they can see this one, <laughs> until they have a, a satellite, a, a telescope big enough to see these things that I've created just because he wanted to. God creates joy in all kinds of different ways because that is who he is and that's how he comes across. He decided to create every single one of you because he found great joy in that. It is in his being and it comes out of him into the rest of us. How does God express his joy? We talked last week about how love is expressed through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. It's, it's not just a theoretical thing, it is a tangible expression. Jesus Christ came to earth, took on flesh, and died a, a, a horrible death, even death on a cross, because he wanted to demonstrate God's love for us to pay the price for us. So that in his resurrection, there would be, we would be set free from the chains that have been binding us so that we would be full and able to have a restored relationship with God. That was all about love, but it was also all about joy. Hebrews 12.2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. For the joy set before him. As I said in my e-letter, the joy set before him was you all. The joy set before him was restoring creation to what it was supposed to be and making it flourish. The joy was restoring relationships with you, his beloved so that he could rejoice in your connection and your, your rejoicing with the Father. His, the joy set before him was greater than the pain set before him, which was the cross. It was in his being that he rejoiced in being able to do that for you. Zephaniah 3 says that, that God rejoices over us with singing. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. 
In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. We love because God loved us first. We rejoice because God rejoices over us first. It is in God's rejoicing that our joy can be found. As we just read in this passage in 1 uh, Peter, we often focus on the hard bit, but we, we, we forget to read the part before the line, in all this you greatly rejoice. In all this you greatly rejoice. Well, what is all this? What is it that we rejoice in? He goes into detail about the mercy we received from God, that he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That is what we can rejoice in because God gave us all of these things. It is this promise, it is this, this hold that God has on us that we are safe and secure. It says, through faith we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There is joy in that safety and security. There's joy in this gift that God has given us. I love that, that Pat Crosby decided to play Joy to the World, the stardust this morning. I'm sure all of you went straight to Christmas time, right? That is, it's Christmas in July. <laughs> There is great joy at Christmas, and, and, and it's all about family and amazing cookies and, and celebrating opening presents and giving and receiving and, and, and being surrounded by, by joyful songs. There is joy in that because God is the one who provided that for us. He is the one who came to earth. He is the one who gave us the greatest gift, the angels, when the, the sky opened up. <laughs> And they sang songs of joy. Behold, I give you great tidings of great joy. God, come to earth to be with you, to save you, to redeem you, to give you a new life that you can only imagine. Happiness is different from joy. We often think, I am not happy, therefore I am not joyful. Because joy is one of those things we think that we can fake. We think we can put it on. We think we can do this. It, it blows with the wind. But that's actually happiness. Joy is the underlying thing. That the Greek word for joy talks about the, the inner joy. It's like that bass note that, that goes through all of the different ups and downs. The joy isn't going to change because it comes from God. And it is, it is the foundation of all of the rest of it. Uh, it, it. And we have to remember that often joy comes in the midst of hardship. I don't know about you, but I, I keep thinking, well, you know, as soon as the pandemic is over, we'll get our life back and everything will be fine. <laughs> and here we are in year three, and it's never going to end. <laughs> I don't... Lord, please help it end someday. But, but it feels like there are different things that, that every time we think, oh, I'll be joyful then, something else happens. And God is saying, I'm calling you to be joyful in the midst of the str struggle. One of the most amazing little snippets about joy in the book of Acts 
you know, in, the, in Acts, the disciples face all kinds of persecution. In, in Acts 13, it, it says, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, expelled them from their region, so they shook off their dust as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And hear this verse. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Okay, you've just been persecuted. You've had to be kicked out of the place where you thought you were called to go. And how were they? Were they defeated? Were they frustrated? Were they exhausted? Were they just exasperated with what had just happened? No, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The joy doesn't come from our circumstances. The joy comes from the Lord. The joy comes through the Holy Spirit. But be, the joy that comes doesn't negate the fact that we need to be able to grieve and mourn and, and to give our sorrows and laments to the Lord. Jesus had the, was the one who was most joyful. He was the one that was, had the most reason for joy of any human ever. And yet, at Lazarus' tomb, even though just minutes before he calls Jesus, or excuse me, he calls Lazarus up from the grave, what, what does Jesus do? He weeps. You can be, you, you can weep in the midst of joy. First Thessalonians talks about that, that we weep, but not as those without hope. We have hope, and in the middle of of our hardest times, we can hold on to that, being grieving and lamenting and wondering what the heck God is up to isn't the same thing as losing your joy. You can have that joy, that hope to cling to and give your griefs to the Lord at the same time. And I think it's really important that we do that because often we, we feel like those are our two alternatives rather than seeing that joy can be in the midst of sorrow. I just heard it. <laughs> Every now and then when I'm preaching, I hear a, a movie quote in my head and I have to say, okay, should I share this or not? So, but this one you have to have. Um, Steel Magnolias, if, if for all Southern people know this movie by heart. Um, Dolly Parton and Sally Field and all of those people. Um, so there's this scene right after Sally Field's daughter has died and, and uh, she's just pouring out grief. And then Dolly Parton does, or, or Olivia Dukakis does something really goofy. And, and they all burst into laughter. And Dolly Parton goes, laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. <laughs> they were able to, to have joy in the midst of this deep, deep grief. To know that, that God was there, that there was something more powerful. That there, the love of this mother for her daughter, this love of these friends together for each other, that was stronger even than the grief that they were experiencing in that moment. Psalm 126 is a powerful song about, about being the exile being brought back into Jerusalem. And one of the lines, those who sow weeping will break forth with songs of joy. Those who sow weeping will break forth with songs of joy. It feels like we've done a lot of weeping over the last few years. But God promises that he will break, help us to break out with songs of joy in the midst of all of that. As we've been thinking about that, we know that this it, it, joy is still a struggle. Joy is hard for every one of us at different times, but it's okay that it is a struggle. 
Charles Spurgeon said, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, but you may not at this moment be conscious of joy. Trees are not always bearing fruit, and yet their substance is in them even when they lose their leaves. So you have a fruit tree. That fruit tree doesn't stop being a fruit tree if it is not bearing fruit. That substance is in there as long as it's connected to the source of life, to the water and nourishment of the Word of God. It's still going to be able to bear fruit. It may not be bearing fruit at the moment. There are times of winter. The, the church fathers talked about the dark night of the soul. There are times when our souls feel anything but joyful. But yet the source of the Holy Spirit is still bringing that life into us. So that even though joy comes or sorrow comes in the night, joy comes in the morning. As I was reading it this week, one of the commentators said that, you know, love is easy to fake or easy to like sort of the fake it till you make it. Like if you don't feel love for someone, you can still do loving things. And sometimes doing the loving things restores the feeling that you have. It is hard to do joy that way. It is hard to fake joy. Like, I'm fine, how are you? <laughs> and how often do you feel like you have to do that to walk in this room? So many people feel like, you know, I just don't feel up enough to get to church. This should be a place where we can come no matter what. Whether you are crying, whether you are, are angry at God, this should be a place where you can bring all of that stuff because it was, it's partly in gathering together that our joy can be restored, that our per perspective can be recalibrated so that we can see who God is and the hope that he, that he offers to us, even if our hearts don't feel joyful in that moment. But there are some things that specifically can be joy killers. I mentioned earlier comparison, judgmentalism. Griping and complaining is another thing that will steal your joy in a heartbeat. And in the, um, Psalm 95, it starts, Come, let us sing songs of joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And then in verse 8, it says, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. Anybody remember what happened at Meribah? Random name in the middle of the Old Testament. That's when the Israelites had just been brought up out of Egypt and they get to the middle of the desert and there's no water and they start griping about God. What, did you bring us into the desert to die? And all they can do is grumble and moan and complain. And then God brings water out of a rock. They've forgotten that they worship the God of all creation, the God who has promised to provide for them. It is a whole lot easier to gripe and complain. In Psalm 1, the very, very first psalm, it says, do not sit in the way of the scoffers, do not walk in the way of the mockers. Isn't it easy? And I feel like it's almost a habit these days. Even like different newscasts or on social media or just with friends, we've gotten into the habit of griping about things, of mocking people who believe differently than we have or do something stupid. It's easy to sit back and say, boy, those guys are ridiculous. But when we sit in the, in the seat of the mockers, that becomes part of our heart and we lose joy. It quenches joy. And it, it, it's very important 
for us to, to create an environment that, that facilitates, that makes room for joy rather than being choked by complaining and griping and being dragged down by other people. Satan loves to kill our joy. That's one of his favorite tactics. Oh yeah, you think you're doing well? Well, what about this? Have you ever had that thing where you're like about to fall asleep and suddenly you have this thought in your head like, boy, that was a dumb thing I did in the third grade. <laughs> it's incredible how we can, we can go back to all of those things and, and instantly, even if we're happy about something, it's like that, just that little flame gets snuffed out. Satan loves to do that. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Satan does not want us to be strong. The joy of the Lord, the joy is our strength. We sometimes think, you know, joy and being happy is like, well, they're not really like in touch with reality. But God is saying when you're in touch with the joy of the Lord, the joy of, of eternal life and hope and Jesus Christ, that is where your strength comes from. That is where all of this comes together. And if you remember the, the parable of the sowers, of, of the, the sower is, is sowing seed and it falls on different kinds of soil. It falls on a path and it falls on a rocky place and a weedy place and then on good soil. And the, the seeds that fall on good soil grow and thrive. But one of the other ones, it says... In verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. They have great joy, but they have no root. If we want to cultivate joy, if we want to create an environment where joy can flourish, we need roots. We need roots. What are those roots? They are the roots of, of the Word of God. We need to be rooted in the truth and not all of the, the noise and junk that we hear around us. We need to be rooted in God's Word and what He is trying to say. We need to be, we be spending time with the Lord in prayer. So often I, I find myself just whining at God and He's going, Listen, a prayer is a, a two-way conversation, and he wants to remind us that we are dearly beloved children, that he rejoices over us with singing. When all we hear are the critical voices and don't hear that voice of God, that, that rejoicing, we'll never be able to find joy. And, and similarly in Psalm 19, the, the long psalm about the word of God, in verse 8, it says, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. So when we spend time with the word, that is when God can bubble up joy in our hearts. Joy is, is one of the most important aspects of worship. It was awesome to, to start with joyful, joyful, we adore thee. I have a friend that loves to sing that in German. <laughs> and I picture her every time I hear that song because she throws her head back and just sings at the top of her lungs. And joyful, joyful, we adore thee. That is the, the in, in worship, we, we kind of get recalibrated again, the roots of who God is. We, we see how massive God is. And we find reason to rejoice. One of the main reasons we can rejoice is in gratitude. Instead of sitting in the seat of the mockers and thinking about everything everybody's doing wrong or how miserable your life is, what if we stop and say, thank you, Lord? And we start to realize 
all of the gifts that he's given us. Not saying he hasn't given me a trip to Europe, but saying, wow, he's given me sunshine and flowers and people to love and, and a chance to be with him today. Our joy doesn't come from comparison. Our joy comes in gratitude as we turn our hearts to see the Lord. Even joy in worship is hard some days. I, I told you about Andrew Brunson a few weeks ago when we talked about the church in Smyrna with our Revelation series. Andrew was the one that was in prison for two years in a Turkish prison. Talk about a joyless place. And he was struggling with how, to, how to, to create, cultivate joy in the midst of this horrible situation. And he didn't know how to do it. He was deeply depressed, struggling, even at times suicidal. And he decided one of the ways that he would cultivate joy would be to dance. And he said the other prisoners thought he was nuts. <laughs> but he would try to go out, and for two minutes straight, he would do nothing but dance in the courtyard. Again, the people around him did not understand it, but he said, David danced before the Lord, and even if he couldn't, if he, Andrew, couldn't feel that joy, he would, he would demonstrate it by worshiping God through dancing. What a crazy idea. But I love that he was obedient to joy, even when the joy didn't feel like it was something that he can demonstrate. But with all of these things, we need to remember that we are not the source of our joy. We are not the ones, we can't say, I'm going to pull myself up from the boot, my bootstraps. I'm going to be joyful today. It's not a decision we make. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Every single one of the gifts of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, all of it comes from the Holy Spirit. It was not the disciples' decision to rejoice that, that made them able to, to have joy when they were persecuted. It says they, they had great joy and were filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the filling of the Holy Spirit that gives us that joy. We can seek the Lord, we can spend time with Him, and we can ask Him for an indwelling of that Spirit. That is what happens. It's not that we seek joy, it's that we seek the Lord. And as we seek the Lord, the joy comes as part of that. One of my friends sent me an email this morning, or this, excuse me, this week, a, a devotional that was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And it was, it was saying that, that it, when we have the Lord, when we've given our lives for, to Him, we have the Holy Spirit. And the, so that means that the fruit of the Spirit is there, it's just not made perfect yet. Isn't that kind of a relief? It's like we, we think about, okay, I've got to be 100% loving, I've got to be 100% joyful, and all of those other things. But God isn't saying that to us. He's saying he wants to, to pour it out on us. He wants to, to nurture that fruit. Your, your fruit might be a tiny little blossom on a tree, or it might be a full, beautiful, shiny apple. But it doesn't matter. That joy comes from the Lord. And as we spend time with him, as we keep being filled by the Holy Spirit, that fruit will pour out. The end of that passage I read for you in, in 1 Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. 
Brothers and sisters, let's, let's bathe ourselves in that truth that we are, are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the, with the salvation of our souls through Jesus Christ. And it is in that that God will, he promises, fill us with inexpressible and glorious joy. It's not in ourselves. It's in God, the Father Almighty, who rejoices over you with singing, that that joy can be made complete and full in each of your hearts. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.